I don't know if you remember, uh, maybe it's a generation ago now, the fashion of WWJD. Uh, okay, lots of people are nodding. What would Jesus do? The bracelets that young people wore. Uh, today, I wanted to think about a slightly different question, probably the question that comes before, what would Jesus do? And that is, how would Jesus think? Because I think St. Paul worked very hard on the question, how would Jesus think? And as we read through Philippians, I think we become aware that St. Paul's life uh, was pretty well attuned to the life of Jesus himself. He wouldn't have been able to keep saying, as he often did, imitate me uh, so confidently if that were not the case. So I've retitled this sermon from what I had a few weeks ago to the six mindsets of Jesus and Paul in Philippians. A bit of a long-winded title. The first mindset is the one we dealt with two weeks ago, and that is the mindset of humility. But let me just run through some of the mention about our mind, and uh, the mindset comes up quite often in Philippians. The idea of having the same mindset as Jesus Christ, or being like-minded being of one in spirit and of one mind, not setting your mind on earthly things. And in today's chapter, Paul pleads with these two women, Euodia and Syntyche, uh, to be of the same mind in the Lord. And then in verse 7, Paul talks of the peace of God which will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. So the idea of developing a Christ-like mindset is very significant in this letter and I have to say that what we're about to learn from Philippians is very practical because what is in our mind needs to be manifest in our life so this is just not an armchair philosophy today looking at uh, what we put in our mind now firstly the mindset of humility and because we dealt with it two weeks ago I'll deal with this just in a few sentences humility enables us to see ourselves as we ought and others as we ought. Paul said, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset that Jesus did, who made himself nothing, took the very nature of a servant, humbled himself even to the point of death on the cross. So as we learned a few weeks ago, that is the mindset of humility. It's not virtue signaling by just the words that we speak, it is looking to the interests of others and serving them. Second mindset is the mindset of having a goal, having a goal in our minds. In the second half of chapter three, Paul almost labors the point that he is straining forward to reach his goal, the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Jesus Christ. He said, I press on to take hold of that for which Jesus took hold of me. Paul had an extraordinary commitment to his mission from God. His life was totally driven by the commission he had received so terrifyingly and so personally uh, from Christ on the road to Damascus. Uh, we 
commissioned our new rector at Lakes Anglican on the Central Coast last Monday night was a, a, a wonderful occasion, very uplifting. But I can tell you it was a bit tame compared to St Paul's encounter with the risen Christ when he was thrown to the ground and blinded. We didn't do that to Jody, our new first ever lady rector. In Acts chapter 9, we read describing Paul's commission. This man, Jesus said, is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. That's a pretty daunting commission, isn't it? Not an ordinary commissioning. And in Philippians, we still see a St. Paul who is totally focused on this goal that Jesus gave him. His mind is not on earthly things, as is the case with some in Philippi. But Paul says in verse 20, Our citizenship is in heaven. And there's where our focus comes from. And we eagerly await a saviour from there, our Lord Jesus Christ. And, I, you know, you've got to think about that word eagerly. I mean, just how... What was Paul's... Uh, time frame for the coming of Jesus. Uh, Paul did not know when Christ would return like us, but he knew it might happen at any time and he wanted to be found faithful. He was maybe thinking it could happen in his own lifetime. It would happen in his own lifetime. So daily he was pursuing the goal that Christ had given him to proclaim Christ to Jew and Gentile alike in Asia Minor and beyond. So our commissioning is not quite the same as St Paul's, but we are called to serve and to share our faith as we have opportunity. In Ephesians, Paul says that's the way the church ought to be, this is the way the body of Christ works, that it will build itself up in love as each part does its work. So combining all the gifts that God has given us individually, the body will be healthy and strong and doing what we have been commissioned. Do you want me to switch over now before it gets annoying? Thanks, Jimmy. Um, to this end, it is incumbent upon each one of us not to lose sight of the fact that we also need to maintain uh, a mindset that has goals, purpose, a role to play in the growth of the church. Well, thirdly, we come to a different mindset, and that is the mindset of unity. And this brings us to verse 2 of chapter 4, where we learn about these two women, Euodia and Syntyche, and there is disunity between them some kind of issue that they've been unable to resolve. It's become widely known, so even Paul knows about it. And he entreats them to be of the same mind in the Lord. So how does Paul resolve the problem? Well, first of all, uh, he doesn't take sides. And I think this tells us immediately that this is not a dispute about a crucial gospel issue. If it was, Paul would take sides and he would resolve it very decisively, uh, as is his custom in all his letters. 
And as we saw last Sunday on the issue of righteousness coming from the law or coming through grace. So in terms of the quote I mentioned last Sunday, in things essential there is to be unity, in things non-essential there is to be liberty, and in all things there is to be charity, which is love. So this dispute is in the non-essential category. And Paul does three things to try to resolve it. Firstly, he goes directly to the two women involved uh, and he asks them to come to the same mind in the Lord. That being the key phrase. You both belong to the same Lord. Uh, come together uh, with a humble attitude, a Christian mindset and work this thing out. And then he says, uh, he enlists the help of other believers, co-workers he calls them, who are closer to the situation than he is, to come alongside these two ladies and help them to be reconciled. Don't sit back and enjoy the scrap, you men. Get to their, go to their aid in a good, helpful manner. And uh, Paul reminds them all that these are good women, and they have contended at Paul's side for the cause of the gospel. And another thing he says, their names are written in the book of life. So they're going to be around with you, other Christian brothers and sisters, for a long, long time. You better get together now uh, in preparation for eternity. Sort this out. Uh, get your mindset on unity operating properly. Fourthly, Another mindset, and this is the mindset of joy. Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, you all remember this very well in the reading, with thanksgiving, present your requests uh, to God. And when we do this, what happens next in this wonderful couple of verses? The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your, height, your hearts and your minds. There's the mind again in Jesus Christ. So much to take in there. I've called this the mindset of joy, but joy just sums up a bunch of things here. Uh, it is also the mindset of gratitude, the mindset of thanksgiving in life. It really makes our lives a lot more pleasurable to be people who have gratitude. It's also having a mindset of prayer and petition. And as we cultivate these mindsets of rejoicing and thanking and praying, we become aware of another beautiful mindset gaining strength in our minds and in our hearts, that of peace. A peace that is not primarily of our own making, but a peace that is the gift of God. That inner tranquility that relates to our forgiveness in Christ. An inner calmness that quietly re-emerges as we bring to God our anxieties and troubles in our prayers and petitions and thus hand them over to him.
I've mentioned G.K. Chesterton a few times since I've been here and I mention him again because he was very strong on joy and gratitude. Great man to read about if you're looking for something on the internet. Wonderful quotes you'll get from him. But he cultivated joy and gratitude from a very early age in his life. And in the early 20th century in England, Chesterton debated for 17 years in the Town Hall of London. He debated humanists and socialists and atheists like George Bernard Shaw. And uh, what I like about this, this is a little aside, but it was such a healthy thing that we don't see enough today that we have a healthy debate. And at the end of it, after all this arguing and trying to win the debate, these two blokes went down to the local British tavern and enjoyed a beer together. And they sustained that kind of relationship for many, many years, believing quite different things. I like the model. But at that time, the big currency, the strong currency of the atheists was to criticise uh, the suffering in the world, posing this as a, a real serious problem for Christians to resolve. Why does God allow such terrible things to happen in his world? Can you still believe in a God who is powerful enough to do something about it but doesn't seem to want to? Well, they... Uh, got a lot of mileage out of that and in typical fashion Chesterton turned the debate around and he asked should not you atheists also have an equal obligation to explain the origin of joy and pleasure in your world that is a random world and a meaningless world Chesterton said, joy is the small publicity of the pagan, but it is the gigantic secret of the Christian. Worth pondering that quote. The mindset of joy and gladness and gratitude is a very Christian and Jewish idea. Older Anglicans, um, some of you are here, they are all at, uh, here at eight o'clock, but you remember the Jubilati Deo, is that right? Psalm 100, the jubilation of God, joy in God. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth, worship the Lord with gladness, come before him with joyful songs, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So Paul is kind of echoing a lot of those things, isn't he, from Psalm 100. That brings us to the mindset of thinking about good things. Finally, brothers and sisters, Paul says, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Have this mindset. Think about them. You will know that there are quite a few lists in Paul's writings, some lists of bad things that we are told to shun, and other interests, uh, other lists of good things that we are told to embrace. Philippians 4.8 has been impressed in my mind in a rather interesting way in the last 10 days. Uh, last Wednesday week, Carol and I attended the year 12 graduation of our granddaughter Jasmine, whom some of you will remember, uh, David and Joe's eldest daughter. 
um, I glanced through the order of service and there on the bottom of the back page was Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 written out in full. And I thought what a, what a good choice of verse for the departing students to take with them. And in due course, uh, the principal David Knockles stood up and he gave his parting address. And as a way of getting the students to think a bit more about the meaning of this verse, he told a short story called The Tale of Two Wolves. One evening, went the story, an old Cherokee Indian told his grandson about a battle that goes on inside people. And he said, my son, the battle is between two wolves inside us all. One is evil, it is anger and envy and jealousy, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority and ego. And the other wolf is good. It is joy and peace and love and hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion and faith. And the grandson thought about the story for a while and then asked his grandfather, which wolf wins? And the old Cherokee simply replied, the one you feed. Good little parable, wasn't it? Very great similarity to the Bible. Lots of things there happening that are reminiscent of the vices and virtues that Paul mentions in his lists. But the punchline, so on target with Paul's statement, think about such things, what do we feed into our mind? The good and noble things. What we allow to occupy our minds will sooner or later manifest itself in our words and actions. In verse 8, Paul said, think about these good and noble things. And then in verse 9, he says, put them into practice. This is the natural progression of things. How does that old saying go? I think I can remember it roughly. I didn't check it out, but it's somewhere near the money. It says, you sow a word and you reap an action. You sow an action and you reap a habit. You sow a habit and you reap a lifestyle. You sow a lifestyle and you reap a destiny. I did mention there were a couple of things in the last 10 days that were of interest. There was another small incident where Philippians verse 8, chapter 4, was impressed in my mind and it happened last Tuesday. Last Tuesday, my mum turned 99 and... Uh, She'd been ill the day before and her birthday lunch was nearly called off. But early in the morning, my sister rang up and said, no, she's okay, I'm bringing her home to my house for lunch. So Carol and I <coughs> jumped in the car to go up there. But before we did, Carol said, you better take your mum a nice card. And I said, oh, no, we'll just give her a hug and wish her a happy birthday. Carol said, there's two cards there. Choose one of those and write something nice in it. So... One of them was nice lavender colours, which Mum loves, so I just grabbed that one. There on the front of the card, Philippians 4.8. Whatever, whatever is lovely, think about such things. So there it is, the graduation of the young people, and at the other end of the scale, the 99th birthday, same verse, uh, good for the whole of life, isn't it? 
in the context, um, well, we come now to this last mindset of St. Paul, the mindset of contentment. Thanking the Philippians for their generous gifts to himself and his mission, Paul shares with them this personal mindset that he has of contentment. It seems that there was a period of time when the Philippians were not able to get a needed, a much needed gift through to St. Paul. And they'd been very worried about this and Paul is keen to reassure them that they shouldn't have been overly worried on his account because in verse 11 he said, look, I've learnt to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's a great verse, really, to try and tie up a little bit now as we come to the end all the different threads that we've explored over the last four Sundays. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and I can be content with whatever comes my way. So, folk, here again are the six mindsets of Jesus and Paul, mindsets that are intended for all of us to take on board as we strive together to love and serve one another and find ways to connect also with our neighbours here in Balgala and surrounds. Number one mindset, humility that is modelled on Jesus himself. Number two mindset, having a goal to strive towards. Number three mindset, unity, so that we don't get sidelined by non-essential issues. Number four mindset, don't forget to be joyful, to be grateful, to be prayerful, and look for the peace that comes then from God to garrison our hearts and our minds. Number five mindset, feed our minds with good and noble things. And the final mindset is contentment. And I thought in our affluent context, it has to mean something a little bit different to us than it did to St. Paul. Uh, and I suspect it's kind of like a bit of a challenge, contentment, isn't it, in our uh, well-being? I think it's perhaps a rung higher on the ladder of Christian maturity to take on board this attitude of St. Paul, but a wonderful thing to learn. So, all my new uh, friends here at, at All Saints, um, I finish with the verse you said yourself earlier, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And then the peace of God, which passes or transcends all understanding, will garrison your minds and your hearts in Jesus Christ. Amen.